Welcome to the Beyond Athens podcast with your host, Jaden Park and Owen Ferguson. Owen moved in recently. Oh, uh, yeah. Moved in on Sunday, was it? Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, fully moved in on Sunday. Yeah, and so we thought we'd talk to you guys about this uh, introduction of accountability that we started. It's a, it's a group where uh, Owen, my boy Marcus, and I, and sometimes Jacob, <laughs> Jacob. we, uh, <laughs> we uh, get together and play chess on Sunday. And so with that, we decided that we start holding each other accountable for our goals. Um, I think that's super important is uh, setting goals. I'm, I'm sure everybody here agrees that goals are important. And uh, Owen, why don't you tell a little bit about the group and why we decided to form it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I feel like we all kind of have similar outward looking mindsets and we're all trying to accomplish you know all the things although there might be different between me and marcus we all have the same general idea that we want to expand as people right and it is easier to do that with a group of like-minded people than it is on your own you know i feel like these things like hitting the gym regularly reading enough trying to learn new skills you know these are things that i've been working on the last couple years and trying to get better at but, um, man, when you're just not feeling it sometimes and you have no one you're really accountable to at all, it can be hard some, some of those days, um, to really go forward with your goals and like make progress. And at the end of the day, you're going to feel a lot better, um, when you have made progress and feel like, okay, I've done my part for this day. I have used it to what I could. I've tried to improve myself and, you know, onto the next one rather than like, damn, I just wasted that whole thing. Yeah. And so we kind of, yeah, put a system in place with, um, I mean, it's mostly based on accountability and just like, um, showing you each other what we've done, you know, like making our goals set out loud and then, and then following through with it, but also putting down some capital if we fail. Right. Um, right. We actually, tried um we tried at first like we were, we were we were pretty harsh on ourselves it's like if we screwed up one of our goals just once during the week we were gonna pay a crap ton of money what was it it was two hundred dollars two hundred dollars because we wanted to make it hurt you know yeah, we wanted damn. to uh how i would how i would put it is we kind of went at it with a military mentality totally. you know like zero mistakes like like only only progressing upwards for the rest of our lives <laughs> is what right. we we're thinking you know which sounds great it does <laughs> sound great but that's not how the human naturally learns right how uh how i've been explained to by therapists is humans have a natural um progression of where you go up and then once they make it to this progression point they fall back down and then mm. progress more it, it's not just a straight line up mm. that's that's just how humans actually progress and the thing is is yeah you can do it like the military where you're just going straight up the entire time and as you go straight up i don't think you really enjoy it you know you get to where you want but i do think that 
enjoying your journey is also a big part of it. You may not like the whole thing, right? When you regress, you're not going to like it. Mm-hmm. But at least you're not down 200 bucks because... Seriously, those big punishments. Yeah, right. And, and it was even for like little things. So uh, yeah, one of the goals... journal one day. Yeah, one of the goals that I had was um, you had to journal every single day um, just because I wanted to improve my memory and um, my recall of the day and we do a little recap. Bad memories. Yeah, I, I have a horrendous memory it's kind of <laughs> it's kind of funny Despicable. Um, but i want to improve that so journaling was it if i missed 200 bucks and uh i don't think that was the best way right because it put a lot of stress on ourselves to get those things done and i do have to say my meditations were not as how i would say pure as they would have been if it was if I didn't, didn't have, have so much pressure on damn it. dollars on the line. If you didn't do it, <laughs> right? Yeah, so we didn't we didn't think it through. It was a trial week. We went right. through it, and I mean, to be honest, I definitely failed a few things, especially because I was moving in a few of the days. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't have the time to do it, and I was realizing, like, you know, life happens, man. Like moving in <laughs> and having to clean up your whole apartment and not having time for all these little things. Some days. That's how it is. I shouldn't have to lose out $200 for it. No, I agree. I definitely agree. Um, but we made some adjustments. And like we said, with human progression, we're progressing this um, accountability group the same way, right? We uh, made some progress, saw what needed to be fixed. We adapted, regressed, and now we're back on the uh, progression cycle. Yeah, and we'll keep working on it and you know experiment and see what works for us. Right. And uh, I would I would recommend to anybody out there listening um, to get an accountability buddy. Um, I took a class, a training course on productivity. um, I want to say last Tuesday. It was yeah, it was last Tuesday as well, right before the podcast in the morning. And uh, we talked about how to stay productive. Um, And I actually had somebody message me on Instagram. Um, asking me how I stay productive and um, what I was told to do is schedule your days out. Um, Mm -hmm. I I feel like if you don't schedule them, you forget things. And it's a lot of, it's a lot of pressure to have to remember all the things that you have to do in a day. And so if you can schedule it out, you can kind of put it off of your mind and focus on the task at hand. Yeah. You don't have to be focusing on making the decisions. Like you right. get you get decision fatigue, you know, like constantly deciding, okay, I'm gonna do this next, I'm gonna do this next, I'm gonna do this next. If it's already set out for you, then you don't have to deal with that. Yeah, and this, I think that's really good for a lot. Decision of fatigue is 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 a real thing, mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of people suffer from it because they don't know how to either use a planner or use a calendar. I think uh, the calendar app in anybody's phone is probably the most useful tool on the phone besides alarms nah notes man do you think notes is dude i was looking so me and sienna were comparing the amount of notes last night we have on her phone uh-huh and she doesn't she doesn't like use the app at all really she right. has 24 total notes and like Ooh. her iCloud dude i have let me look right now 885 885 <laughs> notes yeah now i'm not oh. the most organized of people so um do you wait 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 so is it just like any thought that comes into Dude, your brain? Any, you'll create a new any note. Thought, yeah, man. I I'll uh 
I'll do like books, books that I'm reading because I don't necessarily like having to uh, um, write down the notes that I read from books. I'll uh, create a new note section for an entire book. Like I have one on the alchemist, uh, think like a monk, uh, the subtle art, not giving a fuck. I have, <laughs> um, I have notes on all of those, and those are jam packed full. Um, so I'll do that and I'll organize it a little bit better. But I think I'm only at like 200 something. Yeah, no, I don't think that this is healthy. Um, I'll listen to audiobooks while I'm driving, and I know you do the same. Mm-hmm. Um, when I'm driving, I'll just press the button to talk into the notes and I'll talk and take notes while I'm driving. Oh, dude, I never do that. That's a good idea. Um, I, I mainly do that on long drives, like uh, three hour drives um, when I was Not going back from Cedar to Tooele consistently. And yeah. uh, I want to say that it's super useful. Yeah, okay. But we've been doing some studying for you guys um, on Nietzsche. Friedrich Nietzsche. Friedrich Nietzsche. And uh, if you guys don't know who he is, you should know who he is because he is a famous philosopher that, man, he has some interesting thoughts that I think the world needs to know about. Mm -hmm. He's not your typical, well, he's not a rationalist at all. So, I mean, a lot of philosophy is based completely on the idea of reason, right? And Nietzsche kind of post-enlightenment in Europe in the 1800s decided that we in the West had been placing way too much emphasis on reason. Because the the idea of the Enlightenment, which was the move, a movement in like the 16th, 1700s, um, was that reason and science and, you know, just rationality, hardcore human thought if we apply that to anything that can solve anything, right? That can solve the human condition. Like, it may, Rationality it will solve yeah, the human condition. Yeah, it's like the, the idea that, you know, kind of this post-religious idea where um, we, we put our faith into reason and philosophy through that. And that can solve our problems. And that can um, that can help us come up with the best way to live life. That can help us come up with the best way to set up a government, right? Right. It's a best way to socially organize people or whatever. Without emotion, obviously. Yeah. Well, and that's what, that's exactly like where Nietzsche um, comes in because he said we, as, as philosophers, as worshipers of rationality, have been ignoring something that's absolutely built into us, you know, and that's emotion and that's our passions. Right. I mean, and you can't ignore that. No, you can't ignore it, but well, it's not that. I, I mean, the ideal in philosophy yes. in a lot of people's philosophy, especially you know during the Enlightenment era, say the classical Greeks too, like Plato, Socrates, was to look past emotion and and to live the best life was to make it. It's the Stoics, this, the Stoics are like the the poster boy of this. Like to live a good life is to completely use rationality use reason right and and ignore the passions ignore emotion or at least put them off you know realizing that they should have no bearing on you but nietzsche is the philosopher to kind of say well they're here for a reason and maybe we should examine these and he actually calls himself and this is a self-proclaimed title but he calls himself the first psychologist Um, nietzsche calls himself the first psychologist he did yeah i know you say that most philosophers think that it's ideal 
to look past emotion. But honestly, I would say most people in general would say it's ideal to uh, not have emotion and think strictly rationally. I mean, I know for me, I would love that. Obviously, I, I would say that now. But to not have emotions and not have that d- affect my decision making. Yeah, you could be a monster, man. Yeah. You could be a... Yeah. Like, I think emotions actually... can get you down and like, yeah. Yeah, no, emotions are... They're, they're crazy stuff. But he's right. They are here for a reason and we should analyze them. Instead yeah. Of just... So Nietzsche was one to say we need to analyze and look at the human human passions and that's kind of the way he decided to look at the human condition um and going in line with that he wanted to examine our rational nature and look towards morality in general right and nietzsche let's start off with this nietzsche was an atheist he didn't believe in god he thought that was a social construct right yeah and he was famous uh for saying that God is dead. Yeah. Like that, he that was, was in... the first person to kind of declare that God, is, God dead. is dead. Because he knew that, um, we thought that God was an idea, right? And in the late 1800s, um, people were killing him. Right. And they were killing the idea of God. They were getting past the idea of God, you know, the high, the, the people in the high intellectual circles, you know? And mm-hmm. he thought this would have a cascading effect down to the majority of people and once the idea of god is dead and once people have lost that idea of purpose what what's now you know and so he, he was genuinely he wasn't proclaiming god is dead as like a victory it's like ha right he was just saying a, people were starting to get to the point where they were kind of dismaying the idea of god and and he was fearing nihilism he, he right. was fearing that the with, end of with the end of yeah yeah and with the end of the idea of god um, would be, yeah, recklessness and a loss of purpose in a lot of people. But yeah. this, um, the thing about Nietzsche is he, he wrote for about 10 years before he went. He actually went insane. Um, yeah, I, I, think I heard about that. About 40 life. years old. He died and he was pretty... a simp. He was a major <laughs> simp. <laughs> Nietzsche is not well known for like being super, uh, with the ladies no no not at all i no. mean have you seen pictures of him well and like i'm listening <laughs> to this course right now. i don't know i feel like he's not that ugly no but i don't think he was uh if i'm being honest he kind of looks nerdy you know <laughs> the pictures you see of him is when he's like honestly a little bit older and most older men don't look that great right i, I would say i would say like he's probably in his 40s so like in in the like you know the, the, the photo main, that yeah, I'm referring late to late 30s and 40s right but I mean back then I feel like either you have it in your 20s and that's when you're good with the ladies but he got hooked on the same girl when he was younger um, which kind of made him not really focus on the other women yeah you know but besides the women issue in his life he was he was seriously accomplished with uh with academics first of all he became a professor at age 24 i think um and he was a philologist he studied language um and he was really on the top of his field back then um and with language and with that background he was able to kind of take the ideas 
of good and evil. And actually, he has one book called Beyond Good and Evil. Right. Um, but he wanted to examine those words, right? Because the way that we see good and evil, good and bad now, maybe he thought, hmm, maybe that hasn't been the same all these centuries, you know? Right, right. And he's German. And he's German. So he kind of went through the German... Um, how what it used to mean mm-hmm. in, in the german language right from my understanding yeah and also like greek and some other um ancient languages i think possibly latin too right and, and he saw that good didn't always mean like selfless selfless yeah exactly it used to mean aristocratic noble strong right Mm-hmm. And and bad wasn't always selfish and and, evil. and and like afflicting you know someone who is afflicting pain on other people tormenting other people yeah, as we see it today but bad used to mean base and vulgar and plebeian and and simple and simple yeah right so good meant noble and 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 bad meant simple and and base mm-hmm. and kind of plain and and this goes uh, this is drawing into how he looked at morality is Nietzsche doesn't think there's any moral absolutes like objective truths to morality. He thinks that we as people have, you know, constructed the ideas of morality. And he thought what was natural was this idea of good being aristocratic and noble, being the stronger, being the ones who had the will to power, right? Who who could will things into existence because they had the means to do so um and that was the good back in the day back before the transvaluation of values right right so we we got to the point of changing those words from the uh master morality versus the slave morality Mm-hmm. Um, a little explanation of yeah, what master morality is would be the morality of the strong or the noble or what they knew as good. Mm-hmm. And um, their morality was based on how strong you are, wealth, things like that. But the slave morality comes from the slaves. And the slaves don't have the same mindset. No, and they weren't necessarily slaves, but they were right, the, right. the poor. The poor ones in society, right. the ones that were less fortunate, you know? Right. And uh, the, the weak is what it's referred to in, uh, hmm. in, in the things that we've studied. And that kind of twist, got twisted a little bit because they did something called resentment. What resentment is, is pretty much flipping the script right Nietzsche is really big on pain he says pain is the greatest pleasure that you can have well let's look at punishment for example so let's say the master Mm -hmm. he punishes the slave his mindset with punishing the slave is I'm punishing them because like I can't have this happen for for the sake of let's say they're um he is the slave and uh he can't have the punishment of, um, he can't have the slave acting out of line for the sake of his goals with whatever it is his okay. business is. Yeah. But when the slave gets to punish the master because he was out of line, there is emotion involved 
there's resentment. the revenge seeking the revenge yeah seeking um and they resent their master so they that's want... true so when yeah no that makes sense because when the, the when the master is is punishing the slave in in this case in this historical case or whatever um it's not out of a hate for the slave it's not out of an emotion no, no. it's out of this is just what's this gotta is, be done. this is what has to happen this is the transaction you knew that there was going to be consequences if you acted out of line and it's punishment and i know that if i act out of line as the master then there's going to be punishments for me so when the punishment comes for the slave to punish the master you get revenge you get resentment and then it becomes personal mm-hmm. and when it becomes personal things get twisted and what's good and evil um, so the people with power are the noble, the masters, um, and the people that are the slaves are the weak. So when they got to the point of saying like, you know what, we don't want people to be like strong and noble and wealthy. So we're going to say that wealth and all those things are now bad. Yeah, and us, sins. the wise, Nietzsche says that, um, the wise are more intelligent than the, I mean, the weak, the weak are more intelligent than the strong. And so... Because they, they had to. They had to develop that advantage. Right. Because how how else would they flip it? Mm-hmm. You know, we were talking about this last night, which I do have to say, I love you living here now because then we could just <laughs> talk, talk and, like and uh, brainstorm all these ideas all the time. Yeah, it's sick. Um, but we were talking about this last night, how they had to flip the switch in their mentality or they had to go through adversity and trial to get what they want. Mm-hmm. Well, getting what you want isn't always easy. Mm-hmm. And so when not getting what you want isn't satisfying you, you have to switch your mentality to say, hey, the things I want, they're bad now. Um, this is Nietzsche's look onto Christianity and how it develops. And he, he talks about these this priestly class which which had the slave morality, right? And that idea of morality. And these, in this historical context, were the Jews. Um, the Jews were not a powerful people. They, um, but they were wise. And, you know, they it came up with works like the Bible, right? And they needed a way not to be so oppressed by surrounding powers. And, for instance, in this case would be the Romans, right? And the Romans were the embodiment of aristocratic virtues and 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 power and the uh, master morality right and so the jews had to complete this transvaluation of values according to nietzsche in order to end up on top and he looks and says well look today you know look you know back when he said this in 1880 something who who is one clearly the jews clearly christianity clearly um Jesus, who was the embodiment of this, has come out on top. The Romans are no more. The our our ideas of morality have completely changed. The Christian religion has taken over a lot of the world, right? Great. And so, um, with that, I'll read this um, this quote that I really thought was interesting. This is from Alain de Bouton's um, book called "The Consolations of Philosophy." And he has a chapter on Nietzsche. And this quote goes, Christianity had, in Nietzsche's account, emerged from the minds of timid slaves in the Roman Empire who had lacked the stomach to climb to the tops of mountains and so had built themselves a philosophy claiming that their bases 
bases being, you know, things that are low about you in this case, were delightful. Christians had wished to enjoy the real ingredients of fulfillment, a position in the world, sex, intellectual mastery, creativity, but did not have the courage to endure the difficulties these goods demanded. They had therefore fashioned a hypocritical creed denouncing what they wanted, but were too weak to fight for, while praising what they did not want, but happened to have. Powerless became goodness, baseness became humility, submission to people um, one hated became obedience, and in Nietzsche's phrase, not being able to take of revenge turned into forgiveness. Every feeling of weakness was overlaid with a sanctifying name and made to seem a voluntary achievement, something wanted, chosen, a deed, an accomplishment. Addicted to the religion of comfortableness, Christians in their value system had given precedence to what was easy, not what was desirable, and so had drained life of its potential. And looking at those things that he claims to be, um, enjoy the real ingredients of fulfillment, a position in the world, sex, intellectual mastery, creativity, those four things, none of those things come easy. None of those things come by just um, riding the wave, right? And letting Mm -hmm. life do what it does to you. You have to fight for a position in the world. You have to fight for like access to sex. You have to fight for intellectual mastery. Absolutely. And creativity too. Those aren't things that come easy. And those are things that like, as I've worked to improve myself in those things, um, especially the last two intellectual mastery and creativity, but all four of them really, I find myself just naturally, and this isn't necessarily reason-based philosophy, I guess, but as I'm improving those four things, I feel like I'm improving my life, you know? Yeah. And, and so, but, but it's hard. It's not easy. That's why we're doing the accountability group, right? For these things. Uh, and yeah, I think a lot of people just kind of, and put that to the side and say, well, you know, status, you know, that's not necessary to a happy life. Sex, you don't need that. Intellectual mastery, that's that's for the, the you know, the geniuses over there. And they're right. kind of just putting it off and say, I'm going to just stay right here. Be comfortable. Be nice. You know, be mm-hmm. obedient to the law. And I'll, I'll, I'll forgive people. I'll turn my other cheek, mm-hmm. you know, when, when, when bad things happen to me. And uh, I'll be humble. And that, that'll make my life good. And yeah, I think that's just kind of a way to live as sheep, I guess, right? Right. And that's kind of a bummer. But um, I think I think the people that decide to go against the grain, they're definitely in the minority. Yeah. You know, I think you and I are in the minority because I don't know many people that will like create accountability groups to improve themselves mm-hmm. you know and uh not saying that no yeah we were talking about there. that last night it's like right, i'm not saying that you have to have accountability no but that's to... that's showing that you're taking initiative right it, it's showing that you're putting some sort of structure to uh ensure that you succeed um but last night i was reading uh rich dad poor dad by uh robert kiyosaki and uh i'm i'm in the beginning beginning of the book and um when he was nine he uh was working for his rich dad and if you read the book you'll understand what that means but he was working for his rich dad and his rich dad was like making it tough on him he said i want to learn from you and the rich dad's like okay 
work three weeks well work continuously for 10 cents an hour back in the day it was like 1960 so i mean still not a lot Mm -hmm. and he got fed up with it he's like this is bs so he goes to the rich dad and and he's like what the hell like you promised me that you would teach me and all you've done is ignore me and put me to work you're not teaching me about money and uh the rich dad responds he says something along the lines of look life is going to push you around that's the lesson when you are in a in a shitty situation are you just going to let life push you or are you going to fight back Mm -hmm. and the fact that he went and fought back is the first lesson the the rich dad had multiple businesses that he's owned and tons of employees and he said not one of my 160 employees have come up to me and asked me about money or or fought back they've just accepted what i've given them dang and i mean that kind of hit me hard you know that that really shows that if you want something in life you have to show resilience you have to show drive it's gonna hit you down yeah and uh um after reading the book can't hurt me by david goggins um david goggins says um motivation is is bullshit (laughs) straight up um because motivation is temporary right it comes it goes but real strength and real power is having the self-controlled and discipline 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 and drive to accomplish what you want to accomplish no matter what Mm -hmm. and uh just so people just saying i just don't got enough motivation today right and and they just push over you know they listen to the voice that gives them yeah so all um I want to read this other, this kind of goes hand in hand. Well, that goes hand in hand with exactly what we're saying. And the idea, according to Nietzsche, the idea of Christianity came about from people that wanted that, wanted to flip those values and make the people that really were going out and pushing and, and, and trying for the best possible life they could, make them look bad, make them evil right. for it, make the powerful, the the strong the oppressors right and and it's interesting that that's the uh dominant mindset of society Mm -hmm. you know like not many people think that uh the people going out and getting what they want are the ones that are uh on the right side of life well yeah and if you look at any just the way people look at people trying to gain power it's like unless those people are using their power in order to benefit the masses right and giving back a, a ton right they're gonna look at them as what they're doing is wrong they're chasing too much power they're chasing too much money and it's for their own benefit and that's selfish right and that's how that's people look at it as selfishness and selfishness came out of the idea of christianity that came out of slave morality according to nietzsche right that did not come from the predominant master morality that came in before these people wouldn't have been looked at you know, before Christianity came about, you know, they wouldn't have been looked at as as wrong for what they were doing, for their ambition. It would have been glorious. It would have been noble. It would have been aristocratic. But all um, talking about hard things, I'll, I'll read this one quote that also came from this book. Um, the most fulfilling human projects appeared inseparable from a degree of torment. The sources of our greatest joys lying awkwardly close to those of our greatest pains. Why? Because no one is able to produce a great work of art without experience. 
nor achieve a worldly position immediately, nor be a great lover at the first attempt. And in the interval between initial failure and subsequent success, and the gap between who we wish one day to be and who we are at present, must come pain, anxiety, envy, and humiliation. We suffer because we cannot spontaneously master the ingredients of fulfillment. Nietzsche was striving to correct the belief that fulfillment must come easily or not at all, a belief ruinous in its effects, for it leads us to withdraw prematurely from challenges that might have been overcome if only we had been prepared for the savagery legitimately demanded by almost everything valuable. It's crazy. Yeah, and um, just to kind of hone that in, uh we've talked about how the greatest pleasures that you can ever achieve has to have an almost equivalent amount of pain and if you go through the pain the pleasure is so much more worth it you know and rewarding and uh, i think that ties in really really well with that quote yeah no nietzsche was just trying to tell us that um nothing fulfilling comes easy and no and he was looking at that and looking at how morality has affected that right and i think that's really interesting now we're not saying we necessarily completely agree and know how christianity came about right so everyone understand that we're not like saying these are our beliefs but this is what nietzsche thought and i think it's really enlightening and opens your eyes to see well why do we have the moral system that we do today why has christianity why did christianity succeed so much why did it grow um a ton and uh these are just questions to consider while you're considering the meaning and the purpose of your own life and that's what nietzsche ultimately that's what nietzsche wanted you to do is the cool thing about him is he wasn't necessarily with his writings trying to get you to reach the same conclusion Mm -hmm. but he's like i'm just trying to get you guys to think think about it i'll give you these phrases i'll give you these paragraphs i'll give you these books and ideas but you you reach your own conclusion the important thing is that you start thinking about it and so which i think is super respectable from him is he's not trying to press his ideas onto anybody he's putting them out there so people can read them for themselves and decide on their own yeah and i feel he doesn't want people to read them who are just gonna like completely agree with everything he says right right which, which is interesting that's not how most people work in general but right he he kind of got past that and and decided i you know i i'm good at thinking i want other people to be good too and i want us to live lives that are fulfilled um, i think it's general nature for people to want other people to think the same way that they do oh yeah i know i, I, I know get i do to the point sure where uh <laughs> you know like I, I try to use my sales skills and and convince people to believe in the same things that i do naturally but the humility that he has to have to say hey it doesn't matter if you believe me or not i just want you to think there's a way to think um but so start thinking everybody this is cool <laughs> thinking's a good thing <laughs> anyways right. thank you guys for listening to the beyond athens podcast we'll catch you next time ciao